Hi, so next is lawmaking. Lawmaking. Laws made by parliament and the provincial legislators are referred to as acts of parliament or of the provincial legislator respectively. They are also called statutes. So what are statutes? Statutes are laws made by parliament and provincial legislators are also referred to as acts of parliament or of the provincial legislative respectively. These are statutes. Acts of parliament must be voted on and approved by a majority of the members three times in both the House of Commons and the Senate. So for an act of parliament, they must be voted on and approved by a majority of the members like three times in both the House of Commons and the Senate, and acts of the provincial legislator must be voted on and approved by a majority of the members three times in the provincial legislative assembly, right? So there's a difference there, right? So for example, let's say there's an act of parliament, right? It has to be voted on and approved by a majority of the members three times in both the House of Commons and the Senate, and then if it's acts of provincial legislator, it must be voted on and approved by a majority of the members three times in the provincial legislative assembly. So once the proposed act has been voted on and approved the requisite the required number of times, it must given royal um, approval by the Queen's representative, either the Governor General or the lieutenant governor before it has the force of law. As a matter of constitutional convention, the queen's representative will not uphold as approval from a proposed act that has been approved by the elected members, right? So let's say that the act has been voted on and it's good to go. You know, then the um, it has to be given royal permission by the queen's representative. So it's either the governor general or lieutenant governor, depending on location, before it becomes the force of law. And as a matter of constitutional convention, the queen's representative, you know, will not withhold approval from a proposed act. So let's say that elected members have already, um, you know, approved this law. Uh, has 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 already given like the go ahead for this law then the the queen's representative cannot like withhold you know a proposed act from being approved because the elected members already did it that's my understanding because here it says as a matter of constitutional convention the queen's representative will not withhold assent from a proposed act that has been approved by the elected members Acts of Parliament or of the provincial legislators are known as primary legislators. Acts of Parliament or of the provincial legislate legislators are known as primary legislation because they obtain their authority directly from the chief lake from the chief lawmaking bodies under the constitution. But an act of parliament 
or of the provincial legislators may also authorize a different person or body to make laws. For example, an act of the provincial legislator may authorize a municipality to make municipal bylaws governing particular matters that affect the municipality, such as garbage collection or street parking. Such laws are known as delegated or secondary legislation because they are not made directly by the legislator, but rather by a delegate acting on the authorization of the legislator. Delegated legislation is only valid if it is consistent with the authorization provided by primary legislator legislation. If delegated legislation is inconsistent with such a court with such authority, then courts will set set aside the delegated law as ultra virus, meaning beyond the powers, i.e., beyond the powers granted by the primary legislator legislation. Okay, so let's recap. So let's say there's an act of parliament or provincial legislators. These are known as primary legislation because they get their authority directly from the chief law-making bodies under the Constitution. However, an act of parliament, keeping in mind, can also authorize... No, an act of parliament or of the provincial legislators can also authorize a different person or body to make laws. An example is an act of the provincial legislator may authorize a municipality to make municipal bylaws governing particular matters that affect the municipality, such as garbage collection or street parking. Such laws are known as delegated or secondary legislation because they are not made directly by the legislator itself, but rather by a delegate acting on the authorization of the legislator. Delegated legislation is only valid if it's consistent, right, with the authorization provided by primary legislation. So let's say that if the delegated legislation is inconsistent with such authority, then the courts will set aside the delegated law as ultra-virus, meaning beyond the powers, i.e. beyond the powers granted by the primary legislation. Regulations are a Regulations are regulations are a common form of delegated legislation. Um, let um. Regulations are a common form of regulations are a common form of delegated legislation. Federal regulations are laws made under the authority of an act of parliament and are typically enacted by Sorry, regulations are a common form of delegated legislation. Federal regulations are laws made under the authority of an act of parliament and are typically enacted by the cabinet known in this context as the governor and council often an act of uh, parliament will set out the policy of a law in broad strokes and allow the governor and council to provide for the details and regulations 
Provincial regulations are typically enacted by the provincial cabinet known in this context as a lieutenant governor in council. If properly enacted and consistent with their primary legislation, regulations have the force of law and are just as binding on individuals and other entities as our statutes. So next we are going to discuss uh, fundamental legal concepts. Canada's courts and quasi-judicial tribunals hear and determine an extremely wide and varied range of legal disputes, right? So that's what Canada courts do. All manner and tribunals, all manner of interactions among individuals, corporations, and other entities, individuals, corporations, what? Sorry, all matter, all manner of interactions among individuals, corporations, and other entities, individuals, corporations, other entities, and the state or different orders of government can and do lead to judicial determinations. Law in Canada is pervasive in the sense that legal rights and obligations arise from or attach to virtually all areas of a person's life, including driving a vehicle, getting married, raising children, transacting business, practicing a profession, or making use of state service or benefits. Despite the almost infinite variety of legal cases that some that come before the courts, there are some basic fundamental legal concepts and principles that apply to all judicial decision-making. So we're going to discuss uh, different types of law. The first one is public and private law. So what is public law? Public law is... First of all, cases that come before the courts may either involve public law or private law or both. So what is public law? Public law is the law concerning interactions between individuals or other legal professions such as corporations and the state or interactions between different state actors. Public law encompasses criminal law, constitutional law, immigration law, aboriginal law, administrative law, and a wide variety of regulatory matters such as environmental protection and professional regulation. Public law cases tend to raise issues of public importance, even in circumstances where the actual dispute is about the interest of a particular individual because they typically deal with generally applicable rules respecting how governments may affect the interest of individuals. So what is an example of private law case? This can be disputes between non-state actors such as an employer and an employee or two motorists involved in a car accident that are typically concerned with the payment of one the payment of money from one party to another. Private law includes the law of contract, tort, property, spousal, and child support, wills and estates. Private law is sometimes referred to as civil law, so we have to keep that in mind.
So the, dis- the difference between private and public law is commonly drawn and remains a useful way to categorize different kind of legal disputes, even though it is sometimes hard to decide whether a particular case is the is a truly a matter of private or public law. For example, is the termination of a police officer's employment a private or public law? And what about the eviction of a tenant from a government-owned residence? So next we're going to discuss procedural law and substantive law. The courtroom is the forum where judges apply legal rules to come to significant legal decisions such as whether an accused is guilty of a crime or whether a person is liable for the damages caused by an accident, right? So this is where judges apply legal rules to come to significant legal decisions. This happens in the courtroom. But even the process of reaching these legal decisions is itself to subject to important legal rules, right? So they can't just automatically make up legal decisions. You know, they just, they have to follow legal important rules. So procedural law is the body of legal rules governing how cases are brought to court or before a tribunal and how the various participants in a legal case, including the judge or tribunal members, the parties, their paralegals or lawyers and witnesses may play their roles, right? So to recap, you know, if a case is brought before a court, then the the procedure law is the one governing how cases are brought to court before a tribunal. No, the procedure law is the legal rules governing how cases are brought before a court or before a tribunal, right? And how various participants in the case, like including judge or tribunal members, the parties, their legal counsel and witnesses, how they play their roles, right? So, you know, how they play their roles is subject to procedural law, right? They have to follow legal rules, you know, is and the procedural law is the one that governs how how to act and how to play their roles and how to bring the case before the court and what to do, right? So what is the purpose of procedural law is to make sure that whatever the outcome of a legal dispute, the persons who come before the court have had a fair opportunity to present their side of the dispute or to respond to the claimants against them, right? So for example, if I go to court against um, Jessica, regardless of what, what whatever the outcome of the legal dispute is, me and Jessica who come before the court, the procedural law, law ensures that we both have a fair opportunity to present our side of the case and to respond to the claims we make against each other. And just give me one second, my glasses is falling.
So a procedural law may be distinguished from substantive law, which is the body of legal rules that sets out the underlying rights, duties, or obligations giving rise to the dispute. So an example is like in a criminal law, for example, the substantive law includes the rules that determine what constitutes an offense or a defense, right? So procedural criminal law includes the rules relating to how suspects may be arrested and brought to a court, how the crown may present its case, and how the accused may defend himself or herself from the charges, right? So let's recap. So let's say there's a criminal proceeding. Then the proceed, the, sorry, let's say there's a criminal trial. Then the procedural, sorry, let's say there's that, there's a criminal trial. Then the procedural criminal law is, is the rules relating to how subs, how suspects may be arrested. So it's like, what is the proper way to arrest the su suspect? What is the proper way to bring them to court? How the, how the crown may present its case and how the accused may defend himself or herself from the charges. This is the procedural law and these are the rules relating to these scenarios. What is What about substantive, right? The substantive law in a criminal uh, trial is the rules that determine like what is an offense you know, like such as defining elements of the offense, is it like assault, theft, or perjury, or what is a defense, right? So like defining justifications or excuses such as like maybe they were provoked, maybe they were intoxicated, or self-defense. So that is the difference between a procedural criminal law and a substantive criminal law in a, crim in a criminal proceeding. Uh, Canadian law places a very high value on procedural fairness a higher court may overturn the decision of a lower court or tribunal and order a new hearing if the process conducted by the lower court or tribunal was unfair even if the substantive result reached by the lower court or tribunal is unlikely to change So let's recap. So Canadian law places a very high value on procedural fairness because they want to make sure that everybody's treated fairly. So let's say that there's a case, right? And it was decided in a lower court or a tribunal. Then a higher court may be like, you know what, this decision is bullshit. We're going to overturn this decision. And they may order a new hearing if, you know, if they believe that the process conducted uh, by the lower court or tribunal was unfair, you know. Even if the substantive result reached by the lower court or tribunal is unlikely to change, then they still order or may overturn the decision. So that's it for this section, guys. Ugh, I'm sweating. Why am I sweating? Summer.